When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Glad you're with us, and just like that, the final hour is here for Hot Mike on this Monday edition on the Outkick Network. Sixth and Peabody, our location with Yeehaw Beer and Old Smoky Moonshine. Uh, we hope to subscribe to the channel, Outkick channel on YouTube. Coming up in about 20 minutes, Jim Williams will join us, media analyst and consultant. And Dennis Dodd consulted with him for an article last week at CBS about the Pac 12 and the upcoming rights agreement and whether or not they're going to get anywhere close to what they need in order to continue being the Pac-12 as we know it. He'll be with us coming up in 20 minutes. Chad, John Rahm is the Masters champion, his first green jacket, and he was consistent, the most consistent, throughout the four days, despite Kepka leading um, by two strokes going into the final round after leading by four when he woke up Sunday morning, but had to finish the third round first, the weather played a huge factor. And Saturday, man, I, I feel awful for Tiger. You can just, he's trying to get through it, and he just knew based on the limp. That's the worst limp we've seen from him in the pouring rain. And the cold and the wet conditions and everything in between. He tried, after making the cut, tried to give it a go, but you you knew he wasn't going to be able to get, give it a go. Plantar fasciitis was the official reason that Tiger tweeted out, posted as to why he had to withdraw. And if anyone saw that video of him limping around on the course, you'll know that he was in, in bad pain. Um, I've had plantar fasciitis. It feels like your foot is broken. I mean, you cannot put pressure on your feet without incredible pain. Um, you know, I had it because I was uh, an adult playing in a men's league basketball league twice a week, and it was a lot of impact on my feet and also running a half marathon. Those are the two times I've had it. And then I get done. I couldn't walk for a week after doing oh. it. Um, Tiger Woods had his leg rebuilt, and this is what's happening now with him. So not putting myself in the same category as right, to what he's going through, but if that's what it is, that is something that only goes away with rest. You just have to stay off your feet as best you can for as long as you can. Eventually, the soreness goes away, and you're fine again. So hopefully that happens for him in time for the, the, the next major that he's going to try to compete in. Um, but, yeah, it was painful to watch him limp around that course. And watching Saturday in general, my big takeaway was, man, the Masters, as great as it is, Part of the allure of the Masters is it's almost always great weather. I feel like that's an event For the most part. that is always blessed with good weather. They've had bad weather there before. I'm not saying it's 100% all the time. But one of the reasons you like the, the Masters is it is this rite of spring where you're watching the tournament and great golf, and you're also watching the views. You're watching the azaleas. You're watching that golden hour you get last night with John Rahm walking off the 18th green every year that camera, that static camera shot that follows them as they walk off and they hug their family and they keep going and the sun setting in the distance. 
It is beautiful. And then you juxtapose that shot and the scenery of that with the day before where it looked like they were playing around some goat hole in the British Open somewhere in Scotland on Saturday. Completely different feeling watching a Masters that is rain-soaked, windy, and cold as opposed to watching what we saw on Sunday, which is the Masters. And the Masters means good sunny weather and great views all over that course, not what we got on Saturday. It really took away from it for me, which is crazy because I don't complain about that at all when I watch the British Open. I watch that in part because of bad weather conditions. Because well, that's sort of allure. a part of the event. Yeah, because you're watching the Masters in part because of the course itself. Yeah. And the big, in regards to the weather, on Saturday, I was surprised most with how uh, the number of players that chose not to wear the rain gear. And they just got soaked. And then they wait on the umbrella. But they, you know, as they're, I mean, they're just drenched. Yeah. And I'm thinking, like, if I did that, I'd have a cold for a week and a half starting today. And these guys are just, you know, nonchalant. Well, you know, also, I mean, it. like, I, I know they're used to it, but at the same time, it's cold it a, and rainy. And normally, you're, you're either not playing through it. But also, isn't a big part of being a pro golfer getting free gear? Yeah. I would want to I wear mean, everything, every type of accessory I'm provided that's free. I'm going to use any chance know. to break that out. If you've got rain gear from your sponsor that you Some never did. wear, like I'm putting that Tiger thing did. on. Tiger it, did. But like, if it's a sprinkle hut and I'm going to get my rain gear just they, to try something new on. Well, the guys I was watching, they were atop the leaderboard, like Spieth. Like he, he would have his caddy hold at the, on the green. Spieth had it, it, the caddy was holding an umbrella over the ball to keep it from getting wet. And Spieth would do his normal pre-putt routine in this driving rain and then address the ball. They'd move the umbrella and he would try to putt before it got too wet, I guess. Um, And I I guess the guys at the top of the leaderboard, Chad, don't want to mess with their swing and whatever else they got on. Uh, Instead of opting for like Tiger... Decked out with a, you know, he's wearing a toboggan and all this other stuff yeah. too. But like, there, I just didn't. I, I thought the guys at the leaderboard. I'm like, man, dude, this has to be just pure misery. And they also are probably thinking, surely they're going to suspend play at some point in the near future, and I'll go in and readdress this, or maybe I'll just change up and come back out and not have to worry about wearing the the heavy rain gear. I don't know. Well, but, looking at the picture of Spieth, he does have rain gear on. He's got the rain pants over his normal pants, at least. Yeah, he's not wearing so the he's jacket. So he's not soaked through there. He Nothing. does have the normal, the normal pullover. Again, I just, maybe it's cumbersome for these guys and they're so into their routine. They don't want to put any extra gear on if they feel like it inhibits That's their swing at all. It. So that's probably a big part of it. And yeah, I saw Tiger, and there was another older player on the course. They look like alpine skiers out there. Yeah, so did Adam They Scott. had every possible piece of gear on yeah. and accessory they could, short of wearing mittens around <laughs> the course because it was cold. So I just, again, this is me, you know, normal dude, that if I've got um, a, a, a sponsorship with sports gear in any way, and part of the attraction of golf is – you get to the pro level and your sponsor just throws stuff at you. I'm wearing everything I can, especially the bad weather gear you never get to wear. Hardly ever, unless it's a day like that at the Masters. Chad, John Rahm wins the, the green jacket. The green jacket uh, that was most recently up for auction was 
Horton Smith's green jacket from the inaugural 1934 Masters. It sold for $682,229 about a decade ago. Uh, auction company at the time said it's the richest piece of memorabilia for the wealthiest owner. And sure enough, it was the uh, most anyone's paid for golf memorabilia, according to the auction company. Jeff Bezos bought it? Don't know. Maybe, maybe Augusta bought it back. <laughs> but... I was stunned at this. You know how much that jacket costs to produce? It looks cheap as hell. 250 bucks. Yeah. 250 bucks. And for the longest time, I thought you were you sit your your fittings in and they would have a jacket for anyone that could possibly win it. They just have they just guess. And then they have like when I say guess, they'll have like three or four options for said player and they'll make sure those are on hand. And that's that's just one that you hang on to briefly. And then they'll either, either produce it for you or you can go ahead and say, hey, I'm going to have my custom tailor do it. And, you know, some choose to do that. So I found it interesting that it's 250 bucks, but yet it's, I mean, it's iconic. Well, and it's up there with the, you, the, the trophies that cost a ton of money to produce. John Rahm can go to any tailor in Europe where he's from. And get a $5,000 garment made for himself, right? Yep. And he's probably done that. He probably has something in his closet that costs a ridiculous amount of money. And here you have something very simple. I, I thought about it with Augusta. You, they're not going to an Italian tailor, right? I feel like they're doing it locally with someone they've known for a while. And I look at that jacket, and I, I said it. It doesn't surprise me it's not that expensive because it doesn't look that expensive which is, I think, part of the attraction to it. I, I don't know, at least with me. But then I also flip so, that, and so I think about yeah. the fact that a tree fell. <laughs> and within a day, they have whittled that tree into a bench they put on the first hole, according to Scott the Stallings. box there, yeah. Yeah. Single p- piece of wood in a shipping yard in Nantucket. They would not confirm nor deny that it was the same and tree that produced that bench. Crazy. But brand new. But, uh, you know, but a cheaply made jacket. Yeah, or so they'll, they'll, it can be either or. they'll send the raw materials to your said tailor, like Nick Faldo chose uh, with his to always have Nordstrom. It's part yeah. of the beauty of that tournament that you can get it a is. pimento cheese sandwich for $1.50 and they can whittle a tree that falls into a bench overnight and resod on the, the same box course on and resod the tee box. And they can make uh, a not that expensive sports coat for the champion. Chad, uh, Dwayne Haskins a year ago yesterday, um, his family he died. His family still seeking answers about what happened and trying to get those answers. They filed a, a civil lawsuit and there are allegations in this civil lawsuit from his family. And it's coming from uh, attorney Rick Elsley. says Haskins may have been part of a blackmail conspiracy the night before his death, where it's believed that, here's the quote, targeted and drugged as part of a blackmail and robbery conspiracy. What occurred in the hours before Dwayne was killed, many questions remain unanswered. And a family member believes that as part of this theory and why they, they would point to at least one reason because Haskins was wearing a highly expensive watch that was stolen from him shortly before his death. So they're pointing to that as one of the reasons why. Yeah. I'm going to need more evidence than that. Two separate blood samples. He was legally able to, uh, he was, he was, he was legally impaired. Yeah. Um, 
there were Eagle, illegally. Well, <laughs> two separate bloods were taken. Blood samples were taken from Askins. His blood alcohol level was more than the 0.20 in each sample. Um, so, I mean, he, 0.24 is three times the legal limit for driving. And it had, in two of the samples, it was 0.20. Um, legal drugs were also found in his system. And it was a accidental death is what it was ruled. But the family is saying, well, there's more to this based on what happened the night before. Uh, and all of this took place in Florida. The, uh, and this is where he pulled over on the side, then attempted to cross. He attempted to cross an, 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 an a highway. Inter- a highway interstate. And then a, you know, he's got this truck going faster than the speed limit killed him but i I mean if this is some scheme that's going on in south florida that there's proof that this is something that happens a lot maybe i I just it's it's hard to go off a lawsuit on one side and just say that this is what happened is it possible sure is it likely i have no idea if that's the case or not. You'll have to tell me more about where he was, where his watch was stolen. Right. All of those things. Who he was with exactly that night. There was a woman with him. Yep, in the passenger Was seat. the woman part of a, a known part of other schemes that were going on? If that's the case and she's connected at all to any criminal element that was doing this, then that makes the odds very likely this was some sort of scheme to get him out of his money. I haven't heard much of this since it happened a year ago. And now it's the first resurfacing of this that we've noticed for sure. And the family's doing that through the civil lawsuit. Um, Chad, the craziness of the NBA. Rudy Gobert um, gets into it with his teammate, takes a swing. He's told to hit the showers and head home for the Minnesota Timberwolves. They're in the thick of it for... Last regular season game. Right. And they also... um, I mean, they lose their best defender because he picked up, what, his second foul in the first quarter, early first quarter, then punches a wall as he's going back to the locker room. Um, this is a different player, by the way. Yeah, different player. Two they, punches thrown, so one Kyle at an inanimate object, one at a player. In this still photo, uh, Gobert is taking a swing at Kyle Anderson on the bench. Then just prior to that, Jaden McDaniels fractured his hand because he punched a wall because he was so angry and upset at himself for picking up those two fouls. Um, craziest. And here's the craziest part. They won the game without both of those players. And if you want to go, Dan Dockage brought it up, but, you know, conspiracy theory on this. Well, now he's suspended and they're playing the Lakers in the play-in tournament. Minnesota is. But the winner advances and the loser also advances, don't they? It's just they... It, it, they figure out is this who's the one going where to they play go, where. They go different different directions. The winner plays the loser of the other one or something. It's an example of how the play-in tournament hasn't quite taken hold of America's consciousness, I, I feel like, the, because the rules of it. Um, be a professional. Yeah. These things will happen occasionally. You can't have it happen. It's not having anything happen to you. You committed this twice over the course of a game, a single game, where a player breaks his hand punching a wall like a moron, and then another player takes a swing at a teammate, and then Rudy Gobert apologizes, but also drops in there. Doesn't matter what he said to me. I got to behave better, or whatever he says in the apology. I mean, 
Come on. And he's getting a one-game suspension. He's not going to travel this with the so team. This is so dumb. Yeah. Also dumb is acting like the connection with the Mavs, not getting that. Uh, they, they were trying to get the game overturned where the refs screwed it up. And Mark Cuban was protesting the result of a two-point win by the Warriors for a free bucket that they claim, and Cuban's been very outspoken on it, that they were not told. They, they were told that it was Dallas possession. So they came out and went to the other end of the floor. And meanwhile, the Warriors were told, hey, it's Golden State basketball. And they just inbound it for a free layup. Yeah. It's very rare you see something happen that fast. And it was a two-point victory for the Warriors. Yeah, well, now, granted, this wasn't like the last play of the game. This was no, no, third it, quarter, but it did end up being a two-point yeah, difference. Right, and it, a free two points instead of the result being what it was, which is a loss. They were losing a lot of games with Kyrie on the floor, Doncic as well. And now they've got a situation where they have a protected top 10 pick. And because of the trade with New York and Porzingis, by not making the postseason, it makes the likelihood of their protected top 10 pick more. It gives them a, a better chance to actually have that. And there were some results that played a factor on Thursday as well, but the ruling came down from the NBA that said, no, we're, we're not going to overturn or do anything based on the, the protest from Dallas owner Mark Cuban. And then Friday, they elect to sit many of their uh, the best players, and including the... Uh, you got Doncic who played, what, uh, a quarter? And maybe just the very beginning of the second quarter before he sat. And then come to find out, it's uh, the final score is 115-112. So it's not like it was a complete blowout. They still had a chance. They're still in it. So as the NBA is going to investigate this, the question is like, yeah, they did this to lose, but they almost nearly won. won. <laughs> it's so stupid. <laughs> but they did miss. I want to see the three shots that they missed. They, they apparently had three shots at the basket to tie the game late in the fourth, and they missed all three. This... This whole story makes me mad, and, and I'll, I'll say why. Does tanking happen in sports? Yes. But typically tanking happens when you are out of any playoff contention yeah. and your season is over, and it's the NFL where you know you're going to get the number one pick, not a lottery system like the NBA, not where you still mathematically are alive for a playoff spot like the Dallas Mavericks. And I look at sports, especially pro sports, like the Hippocratic Oath, if you're a doctor, do no harm. That has got to be number one in sports, the integrity of the game. And what I mean by do no harm in sports, it's the understanding that every participant is doing their best to win. I sound like I'm a little league coach right now trying to get a bunch of kids to go out and play hard and do their best. But you have to do that now in the NBA because that's not what happens. Load management good players sitting regularly now, not doing your best. And what happened with Dallas in this situation? A team with a mathematical chance to playoff spot, sitting their best players, trying to lose, not doing their best. You lose the public's trust when you are doing harm to your own sport, and suddenly the whole idea that, hey, this is pro sports, we're here to win. And we're trying our best to win. Even if we don't have a great team, we go into every competition as it's a competition. And we want to win the games. 
That's not happening in the NBA. And this is a huge problem facing the league. And it's not going anywhere because too many people in the league love the setup right now because they can go give 75% of themselves and make about 175,000% of what they should make in terms of salaries. And they they still were up 13 at half and only lost by three. It makes me so mad. Nuts. Coming up. The Pac-12, what they're losing in the TV rights agreement moving forward. Jim Williams is going to join us, host of Stream On. Quoted last week in an article from Dennis Dodd, we'll dive deeper. What is is likely going to happen? What is likely not going to happen with the Pac-12 rights agreement? And what it means for the future of the conference monetarily. That's all straight ahead on Hot Mike. Hot Mike rolls on across the Outkick Network. College sports landscape, the haves and the have-nots. It's been that way. The Pac-12, are they about to join the, the have-nots? Jim Williams joins us. Media consultant, host of Stream On, and a seven-time Emmy-winning producer. Jim, thank you so much for the time. We enjoyed the piece from Dennis Dodd last week and uh, wanted to reach out to dive a bit further. How... How dire is the situation for the Pac-12 versus what was perceived to be something that would be on par with the Big 12 when it came to the media rights agreement and the future of where we're going to find their games? Well, first of all, let me say that I love Nashville. It's good to be with you guys. Thank you. Um, Enjoy the show. Um, This is a series of self-inflicted wounds, okay? They don't, I'm talking about the Pac-12. The Pac-12 has a media contract that goes through um, most of the, they got 15 more months on this media deal. So what they did, and I can't quite understand why, but it's up to them, is that they got kind of over their skis on this. And uh, they allowed some of their presidents come out and speak and, and they're going, oh, this is imminent. And so, so what happened is your mark went out and got his deal done. Now that was an extension member. So it wasn't, he didn't have to start from scratch. He took the 31, you know, 0.7 million per school. Now, what does that do? That put a marker down in the, uh, uh, a marker down that's the, the pack supposedly would have to meet. Well, I think, because they have a deal, they have been working with Apple and working with Amazon, that um, streaming-wise, they probably could easily hit that mark and come close to it, but the linear side was their problem. And so now they're talking to the CW and uh, seeing what they can do there. So right now, uh, the pack is trying to work out a situation where they can get linear and streaming together and make everybody happy whether they can do that or not i don't know but i can tell you this from from you know years of involvement they're not involved now i'm talking about espn fox and others don't be surprised if you see them again um it is a possibility right now uh the pac-12 is losing um the pr war and they're getting pummeled so I don't know. Maybe what happens here is that the uh, there's a rush, and I'm talking about rush. Meaning, presidents are pushing 
you, you know, um, George Klyakov to get a deal done. Whoever you deal it gets a deal done with, just get it done. Uh, and on the other side, you got people who are willing to wait. So you're right now in that situation. Jim, if if ESPN, Fox, NBC, CBS aren't heavily involved with your conference, and you're one of the Power Five conferences, is there a scenario right now where you could stay relevant by going to Apple Prime, even if it was a, a property owned by an NBC like a Peacock or another streamer? Can you stay relevant just given the streaming, or is the linear part of this such a big part that you can't do that both financially and with what you need to be in the greater entertainment landscape? It's a good question. Uh, philosophically, I would say you could. Okay. Uh, you guys are down there in Nashville, you know um, that the um, MLS yep. uh, just did a deal which was 100%. Um, they have 15 games on on uh, they have 15 games on Fox, which was a deal that was brokered between um, Apple and uh, and the league. And uh, I personally believe you could, but there are people who are creatures of habit, right? We all have creatures of habit. Uh, there are people who think that you know you can't uh, survive if you're not on ESPN. Uh, that you absolutely have to be there. I'm not one of those people. Uh, I, I believe if you're a fan of sports, you'll find the sport. Um, how does it hurt? It hurts because if you're on, not on a quote-unquote name brand, then you know, you're not there. Uh, I wrote a, an article a week ago, um, two weeks ago now, of, I do a Forbes column, and it was basically about you know, Apple and, um, I mean, if you look at the Pac-12 guys, 70,000 of their, 70,000 of their graduates work in, you know, the industry out there between uh, between uh, the Valley and out to uh, Washington. So they're, you know, it, they're, they're the people who birthed this entire movement, the streaming video movement. And you know, that whole situation out there. So it's kind of hard to say on one side for the president saying, yeah, our guys are heavily involved in the actual creation of Apple TV and, and uh, Amazon. And we are, you know, we're very proud, but oh, by the way, we got an AD in, um, in uh, Arizona, who's upset that they may not be on TV and may not be relevant. So, you know, they've taken the money from the guys um, in research and development. And now, you know, and as I say, their presidents have been out there going, wow, you know, we've done everything to, to be heavily involved in this industry. But, you know, either we don't believe in it enough to do it. So somebody, I, look, if, if it were me, I'd, I'd take the deal. I'd try to cut a deal with, um, you know, Fox or perhaps, um, you know, uh, CBS and say, look, Let's go. Let's go and, and do like they did with the MLS, do 15 games, and let's just go. And we're going to be the first ones out there. And either we're going to be proven right or we're going to be proven wrong, but we're going to be having a deal and get this off the plate now. I, I know George Klievkov has uh, a television background, he's with MGM most recently right. before being Pac 12 commissioner. Jim, are you surprised that more conferences? 
don't go immediately to a television executive uh, when hiring a commissioner of their conference. If the biggest revenue source is TV, do you think we're going to see more leagues run by TV people? I, it would have been my first hire. I would have hired somebody. And you know, I, I would have hired Mike Oresco, who's the commissioner of the American Conference. Mike is the guy who created, you know, we just watched. Um, and you guys did a nice show. We uh, were at the Garden, right? You've been yeah. in New York. Yep. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. And, and it was a fantastic show, by the way. Um, the thing, Mike is the guy who created uh, and came up with the idea of of CBS and Turner going in together. He was an executive at CBS at the time. Uh, so nobody knows you know, college sports better than Michael Resto. So to your point, yeah, I would go, I'd go and get me a programming guy from one of the networks and say, okay, your job, you know, you know what to do, you know what the market is, you know where the bodies are buried. Um, one of the things that probably is holding things up right now is that Apple, Amazon, and of course, um, if it's CW at the moment, uh, they don't, they're not in that space. They've dealt with, you know, um, they've dealt with professional sports. Professional sports is done, you know, in a whole different way than the college sports is. I mean, you've got tier one, tier two, tier three rights. I mean, you've got to explain all that. Who does the production? How does that work? So it's, it's all new to these companies. It's not new to ESPN. It's not new to Fox, but or CBS or NBC. But Jim, to the companies that PAC is dealing with right now, it's all new. Jim Williams with us, the host of Stream On. So ESPN Plus, I haven't heard you mention them. Right. Uh, they, they've got plenty of space to make room for the Pac-12 games if they wanted to. If I'm another I, streamer and I know that ESPN Plus doesn't want the product, would that make me apprehensive to acquire it based on the number that the Pac-12 is trying to meet, which is around the same number that the Big 12 received? I wouldn't be so sure that ESPN Plus isn't wouldn't be interested. Okay. Um, what I would say is that ESPN may, and again, these are all conversations. They don't have to be deals, right? You can be, you and I, the three of us can have a conversation about something that we know we want, but we don't have a deal made. But we can talk around it to the point where it's a nudge, nudge, wink, wink, right? You know, we know what we want, but we haven't put it on paper yet. Um, let's say that ESPN said, look, tell you what we can do. Um, and we're just spitballing here, right? Yeah. You know, and sitting around the table, and, and that's what they do in these kind of deals. They said, look, we'll give you three games on ESPN. We'll give you one game a week, which is their 1030 game, which they love, Pac-12 after dark. Uh, and we'll put everything else on ESPN Plus. You know, so we'll stream you on ESPN Plus, but we'll promote you in in you know one or two games that we'll give you on the on the big network on the mothership. Maybe that was you know a plan that was put in there. So we don't know. We don't know that. I guess what I'm trying to say is we don't know that they turned ESPN Plus down, and we don't know that ES Plus ESPN Plus didn't. Uh, um, wasn't heavily involved in the first deal that they didn't. Yeah, do. and I, I, I want to, from your perspective, what's the value of the CW if they can get fifty percent or more, let's say, of the linear television product? 
versus getting three or four games a week on ESPN or one of the, you know, one of their stations, and then you one of their channels, I should say, and then the rest is on ESPN Plus, knowing that Sports Center and ESPN is going to promote that because it's a part of their and under their umbrella. How would you weigh the two options? Because it seems like, and just reading the piece from last week, it seems like the 50% linear is very difficult for them to reach, but it seems like a number or at least a percentage they're going to try to do. Well, the only way you can do 50%, and I mentioned it to Dennis, um, was that you have to go to a a place like uh, the CW or Ion TV. I mean, it's the only way you're going to get it. Uh, you know, you don't have to be a programmer. You guys have a TV guy, right? Right. Yeah. <laughs> you, can check, you can check, you know, and say, okay, uh, what's on, for, hey, what's on Saturday on, uh, you know, because I seen where NBC was quote unquote, un, you know, interested in. I'm thinking, okay, fine. How are you going to, and again, you guys are in Nashville, right? How do you knock off uh, on USA NASCAR, which is in the fall? all the way through the fall on the USA Network and NBC. Um, it's the Xfinity series, which, you know, Comcast is Xfinity. So you're going to knock off that. That makes no sense. It's not going to happen. NBC's, you know, got the, when they don't have Notre Dame games, um, they could probably sneak something in from that, but then they've just sunk a ton of money into the Big Ten. So again, as you go and knocking things off, right, you're sitting there going, well, what can I take off or what could they do? Um, meaning ES, I'm sorry, CBS, NBC, and, you know, the usual partners. Can they put games on? Sure, they can put games on, but can they get, you know, 50%? No, there's just no way that works. CW, you know, is a legit network. It's on 100% uh, of the country. It's on DirecTV. It's on uh, Dish Network. Uh, So from that standpoint, you know, a lot of people used to make fun of Fox because of what they had on. And at the end of the day, you know, Fox right now proved that they know what they're doing. So, you know, it's if I were George Klyakov, you know, in a perfect world out of NBC, CBS, ESPN, Fox, everybody sitting at the table. And that's not the, that's not the hand that we've been dealt, my friends. We got, if you got CW and Apple and, uh, and Amazon, you try to make it work. And that's where they are right now. Is that where they'll end up? Who knows? You know, I, I, I've done enough of these deals to know that I wouldn't be surprised if we saw ESPN and Fox back in this deal. Uh, but, you know, stay tuned. That is not the situation as it is now. Yeah, and I, I mean, on, on top of that, we'll certainly have you back on for this, but who knows when, but if uh, we'll see programs leave, you know, for a different conference, and then that changes the whole, you know, Cyclical, sure. The cyclical negotiation. Well, next time we have you on, Jim, it's going to be all hypothetical conference uh, merger slash teams <laughs> yeah. leaving. The other thing, too, guys, and you were mentioning this just prior to my coming on, and that was the NBA. Okay. Yep. NBA is a huge contract company. So there are people who are, who are going to want to spend on that. There's the college football playoff coming up, right? That's another big thing. NBC is is breathing, you know, in a bag from a standpoint of hyperventilating because Notre Dame, that deal's coming up, okay? And Notre Dame's talking about $75 million. 
college. You've got Bally's, which just went out, you know, for all intents and purposes, is in bankruptcy. You got the so we got we're at an inflection point. We may not see more money in college spent in college. I mean that the deal that that the um, Big Ten got that might be the best deal in the SEC deal with ESPN. Those might be the deals that we'll never see again. We don't know. So there's a lot of that kind of stuff going on out there. And I think that when, to bring this full circle back to Mike Arresto for a second, what we just saw in March Madness where, where networks work together for consolidation, I think that's where we're headed. I think that, that way you can afford it. You need costs. It's like all of us. We have a budget, right? You want cost effectiveness and you want to know what it's going to cost you on a monthly basis. Everybody has a budget. So I think that's where we're headed. We're not there yet. Um, and I think streaming will be a, a very big part of it. But for right now, because we're headed toward that direct to consumer anyway. And we will see how long it takes to get there. But guys, it's been, it's been fun. And I hope I haven't uh, overstayed my welcome. No, absolutely not. Uh, and in fact, we hope to have you back on again because this story will evolve. Uh, for sure, and that affects. No, this is this is fascinating. Major so we'll definitely football. have more to talk about. Thank you so much, Jim. It's a pleasure, guys. Have a good day. You too. Uh, check out Stream On with Jim Williams there, and uh, we'll certainly have him on again. Uh, as I mean, and also consider this: uh, the merger between UFC and WWE through Endeavor. WWE has their TV rights deal coming up soon, and UFC is partnered with ESPN and ESPN Plus. So that could also play a factor in what, you know, if you're thinking about what you're investing in uh, and where the value is, the value right now is with that product because they own all of it, Endeavor. Hutton, when we come back, there's one thing with the Pac-12 I think we'll both agree is very valuable to a network. There's one other idea I want to pitch, and you tell me if you think it's valuable at all. I can't wait. That's next on Hot Mike. Chad, as we wrap up, let's let's hear your thoughts on the Pac-12 and a potential of different networks rising together. Well, it's not it's not necessarily that, but it could be. Okay. So let's agree. I think we both agree that that late night window is valuable to someone. Yes. If you could cherry pick the Pac-12 game of the week and put it at seven o'clock Pacific, nine o'clock Central, ten o'clock Eastern. On Saturday night, that's valuable to a CBS, a Fox, an ESPN, someone to package just that game of the week every week. Late night, Pac-12 after dark, right? Well, valuable to a certain extent because their local affiliates make the majority of their local money off of the newscasts. I'm not saying for all of the Pac-12. 10 o'clock Eastern would be difficult for CBS. Maybe for CBS, but one of those networks, it could be on FS1. Also, you know, it could be on ESPN, obviously. Right. It could or, be on CBS, CBS Sport. Sports. Yeah. But it, that's valuable. Would breakfast with the Pac-12 be valuable? 9 a.m. Pacific, kicking off, 11 a.m. Central, noon Eastern. The main competition in that window is big noon kickoff on Fox with the Big Ten. If you look around college football, there's not a lot of desirable heavy hitter games that are put on at 11 a.m. Central, noon Eastern. If you had the first or second Pac-12 game of the week and could convince the league to kick off at 9 a.m., breakfast with the Pac-12 in those games, Pacific time, 
Yep. But 11 a.m., would that package be valuable to someone other than Fox who has a big premier game every week at that time? Well, what I don't know, you're saying the major network. The answer to me initially is yes. What I don't know is what does what does their Big Ten deal at CBS, because I think that's the one we're focused on right now, because Fox is going to have a game already. NBC has their game. They have Notre Dame, but then they also have the Saturday night game in prime time for the Big Ten. Now they have forward. a Big Ten night game, yep. So it's CBS, really, that has the capability of doing this. Or, or it's NBC making a deal with Notre Dame where they never play before 2.30. Yeah, but the, uh, what I right? don't know, though, are the contracts for, like, Notre Dame pregame show. They're paying $75 million for it, so I don't know what that value is. They probably won't mess on. with a day at all. But then you have – but also, like, what's the Big Ten's agreement with this a la carte – where the networks are running everything, but the networks are paying a premium price for the Big Ten versus what's going to be pennies on the dollar for the Pac-12. So what I, I guess what I'm asking is, what, what's the value of having a game that could bleed over into whatever you're actually paying money for? You see what I'm saying? And that's where you just have to find the perfect spot that doesn't, that has something right now that's inferior to those two products that I just mentioned. Pac-12 after dark, Pac-12 breakfast, basically, for them locally. Or do you want to create a different spot for that other than Saturday? If you're going to be a part of the agreement. Friday night is your own Your your own window. Yeah. Yeah. It'd be late Friday afternoon, Pacific time, but a Friday evening game to go head-to-head with whatever's on Fox, whatever's on ESPN, who will both have Friday night programming also with college football. Yeah, I mean, I... I would try to get creative with it, but man, it's uh, it is difficult to they see. They pitched where... this idea a while back, and the school said no. We're not playing at nine a.m. for well, home environment, for fans, for everything else. We're not doing it for TV. But I have to think if that's what it takes to push it over the edge, get that boulder going downhill. And I'm not talking about Boulder, Colorado, but Boulder, Colorado will be a big part but of it, this next Pac-12 TV deal with Deion Sanders. Well. If that's what it takes, unless they're unless Colorado's going to the Big Twelve, which is a big topic for us tomorrow. The the uh, so here like, but what's the value for the Pac-12 to do it if you're not going to get all of your games as a part of this package? It sounds like it's going to be more of a Manning cast. Well, than this it is, is when I say that, I mean like it's sprinkled throughout the football calendar, much like we saw the CBS doubleheader or anything with that regard. Um, on a weekly basis. Well, it's going to be a la carte either way. So there's no scenario now where the Pac-12 just goes to two networks and say, let's split it up and you air all of our games. They're not going to do that. They're not going to get good money for it. I'm trying to look at what they could get good money for to combine with what they're going to get really bad money for just to push it out somewhere. Whatever networks they go on on their third, fourth, fifth, sixth game of the week, that's going to be out there somewhere that they're not going to get a ton of money for it. And it's going to be a mix of streaming and linear. But I, I am looking for a way to get top dollar for two games. The two games of the week. Late night and early. And if you can get one or two networks to split that up, but, then the pennies you're going to get for everything else may be worth it. But here, here, or at least somewhat sustainable for the life of a TV contract. So what, what you have to do, though, is pimp out you, you wouldn't, uh, what would have been USC and UCLA, but you're pimping out uh, Washington, Oregon, Oregon, 
late at night. And the top games in the Pac-12 are going to be those games. So it's if you're going to have the best game of the week in those slots. And Colorado now, the, too. And Colorado. But the worst teams are always going to be in the premium spots based on when you, the coaches want to kick off. Well, right? would, would Deion Sanders agree to play at 10 a.m. Mountain Time locally to get on national TV on a network most weeks? If that was their premier game, 11 a.m. Central, noon Eastern? I think so. And America's going to want to watch Deion Sanders in Colorado. Just give it a thought. George Klievkoff, mm-hmm. if you're listening. You're also competing against Michigan and Ohio credit, State. Credit Hot Mike if you run with this idea. Back at it tomorrow on Hot Mike across the Outkick Network.